You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little sucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Publishers look gay. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there in the the uh, the ethos, wherever I am, whoever you are, <laughs> thanks. Um, always appreciate it. Now, um, today I had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Rachel Parker. Now, I'd been hounding Rachel Parker for some time to come and have a yak and um and and good mate damo cole had had um had been in her ear and 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 said that you know and she'd agreed and i got the secondhand word that like it was all good it was all good but every time i rang rach she never answered the phone and i was just like oh what what is what you know and then it was like one day it sort of answered but i could hear it was in the handbag and you know all, all this weirdness and then um so I let it go, you know, there's only so much you can do. And then, uh, and the other day I saw Rach in the surf and re re clicked my mind and I was like, Oh my God, you know, fuck it. So after the surf, um, you know, I let a day or two go by and I reached out again, I rang again. And, and so this time the phone answered and I was like, uh, yeah, hi, I was wondering if I could speak to Rachel and, and the lady was like, who is this? Who is this? I was like, oh, um, my name's John Teague. Uh, I would like to speak to Rachel Parker. And she goes, look, I don't know who this Rachel is. This is my daughter's phone. Um, Stop ringing. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, okay, all right. Obviously, I've got the number wrong. I'm very sorry. And um, so then that led me to go to Ocean Mind. Uh, website oceanmind.org.au and and look at the contact details and um, look I don't know if it was Damo's fault or my fault because I'm always flipping numbers around by accident but the last two numbers were reversed fuck anyway so then I rang Rach again and she answered and um, she came over today and so yeah two numbers had it but anyway today was the right day obviously it was meant to be this time and i had such a good time talking to rachel now rachel for those of you that don't know um has started a um a thing called ocean mind which is um they help children um who are in need basically um rach has a a background in 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 youth youth support work and um and does a lot for 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 and well i'll let her story blend in there but anyway it has led her to start this uh ocean mind foundation where they it's a six-week program basically and they help mentor children in need um from a wide range of issues and it's just a it's a beautiful beautiful thing that they're doing to help people who are in need and we know that there are a lot of people in need so you know i just really take my hat off to everyone that works there at ocean mind um you know i just always i just it's just it's so inspiring to meet selfless people who are just 
um, making society a better place uh, because, you know, it's not programmed. It's not, you know, we're getting better maybe, but uh, society's driven. Like it's, it's greed, you know, get out there and get yours. And I just, for those people who are taking it upon themselves to dedicate their life to making other people's lives better, I just, you know, it just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's brilliant, brilliant work. So, um, look, if you know someone also, this is going to, Rach would never do this, but I'm going to do it for her. I know that they're looking for corporate sponsorship. They have some sponsors, but it's growing. The need for children who are in need at the moment is going up because of obviously everything that we've been through in the last year. Um, and so they um, they need more resources, and that, so they're looking for more sponsorship. Um, so if you know someone out there, this is a great opportunity for someone on a corporate level or a personal level to get behind a great organisation. Um, so you can go to oceanmind.org.au, uh, just Google Oceanmind; it'll come up, and um, you can reach out to Rage there, or there's many. You know, you can. There's it's a, a very comprehensive website, so just check it out. Um, so yeah had a great time thanks Rach so much for coming over I really appreciate it and uh, without waffling on anymore I'll throw you into the conversation okay whoever you are thanks so much you think this is, is interesting wow wait till you hear two hours of crap a complete and total farfarama not that far I grew up in Melbourne did you really yeah yeah. Well, there you go. You didn't know that? No. Wow. Do you, for yeah. some reason, I don't know why I had it in my mind that you were from England. Oh, no. Do I sound like I'm English? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I plant. Someone planted that seed and I had it in my mind that you'd come from England. No, I lived there. Yeah. Um, and when I was on my on my couple of years break from life, I lived there yeah. um, in England, in London, and then up in Scotland. Um, but yeah, no. Grew I, up in Melbourne. Grew up in Melbourne. Awesome. Yeah, grew up in Mentone. Yeah, right. Little um, little yeah, suburban area. <laughs> and uh, how's how's schooling? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Oh, look, I'll be straight with you. Yeah. Mine was not good. No, no. Um, school was probably one of the worst experiences I had. Um, you know, I was um, primary school. I got well, quite severely bullied. Like I was the one one kid in school that got the whole school against them. And like, you know, there was girl jams and boy jams and I had Rachel jams. And so like the whole school wouldn't come near me and they wouldn't touch me. And like every recess and lunch, like I was all by myself. And then um, that, that like lasted from like grade one to grade five. So it was like a good solid couple of years that I was just, you know, friendless and alone at the school. <laughs> so yeah, they were pretty, pretty horrible years, but um, honestly, no, like, mm. weirdly, like that's fucked. Yeah. Children are fucked. Yeah. I had a, a similar experience yeah. in grade six. Yeah, it only lasted a year. Yeah, and and in the end, I, I, I put someone in hospital. I yeah. had so much rage built up. Yeah, and I just can't believe how cruel kids can be. They're horrible. <laughs> and I think we 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 as kids are horrible. Yeah, and and. I'm just going to say, like, mm. 
from that experience at that age, mm. that made me go, if trying to be a good guy gets you this, I'm fuck everything. And I just went down dark road for the next quite a long time. Mm. Did that happen for you? Um, I guess I was trying to understand why like as a kid trying to understand why people didn't like me. And so I kind of internalized it more than like having anger to the world. I kind of had anger towards myself um, and, and felt that I wasn't okay. And it was my fault, not other people's fault that they treated me that way. And so there was something innately wrong with me. Um, And then, yeah, through high school, um, I kind of, decided that I was never going to be like, I'm never going to be bullied again. And so I sort of joined those, those groups that were the bullies and, um, it just it never felt right, but I tried to just fit in there and just fit in, um, and do anything I could to fit in. So I didn't get bullied again. Smoke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 12 when I thought that that was a cool thing to do and that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To make friends. And mm. so like for me, that would have been around the 80s and I remember mum used to get in year seven mum mm. gave me five bucks on a Friday for lunch yep. that five bucks got me a bag of hot chips and a packet of PJ 20s yeah, they did not they back then god that was so cheap <sighs> can you believe it and the guy at the milk bar sold them to me yep. you know like yeah yeah was yeah. that was that you was that the same yeah so yeah um yeah, we were like down down where I grew up. We were able to buy single cigarettes for a, I think they were a dollar, and I think that's still a dollar. Like I think cigarette single cigarettes have not gone up in price, really <laughs> at all at the at our local train station where we used to all hang out. Yeah, you can still buy single cigarettes. Yeah, dodgy, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's always been dodgy. But yeah, single cigarettes for a dollar um, from the train station or from a like a little milk bar near the train station, which has survived. Probably from selling cigarettes for a dollar. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And so academically through all this, were you goofing off? <sighs> yeah. Well, when I was, when I was young, like year seven, year eight, I was, you know, excelling in sort of maths and science and all that kind of stuff. And then I decided that that wasn't the cool thing to do. And yeah, just went down that path of just <laughs> not caring about school or wanting to do schoolwork or anything like that, but was able to get by. Yeah. Um, without doing any work so it wasn't it wasn't too bad but yeah I wasn't really engaged in school and, and your relationship with your parents through all that um it's quite strained <laughs> <laughs> like my uh, so yeah like my mum and dad had such a tough time with me through high school like through high school I um I think it was 14 when um I was, I was mentally not going well as well. Um, and I ended up, um, mum and dad organized for me to go to a psychiatric ward and be hospitalized there for a week. Um, I was sort of quite suicidal, quite, um, quite depressed. And what year was this one? I was 14. So year nine or 10? He was year eight. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I I started school early because I'm born in March. So yeah. Um, and so when I was, yeah, when I was hospitalized, like mum and mum and dad just didn't know what to do. They were trying to find support groups for, for them and for me. And there was just nothing around. And, you know, now, nowadays mental health is a lot more spoken yeah, about. Oh, yeah. There's not as lot as, like, not as much stigma around it. But back then, like there was, you know, mum and dad were so scared that if they, 
they call for help too loudly that DHHS would come and take me away and they would be classified as bad parents because you know I was running away I wasn't doing the right thing I wasn't you know they, they weren't able to control me I was in a lot of pain and I was acting out because I was in a lot of pain and I didn't know what was going on for me um and so do you think this was like a, a blowback from what happened grade one to five or yeah, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I think that was amazingly traumatic and that like yeah it was just yeah this um yeah complete yeah trying trying to make sense of what happened and also just acting out on what happened and feeling alone and isolated and vulnerable and you know also hormonal changes that happen you know when you're a teenager and then your body changes and everything changes and friendships are so important and when they aren't working then you just like yeah you feel like you don't fit in you don't could you imagine chucking social media in on top of all that I am so, so glad <laughs> that I grew up in an era without social media because I don't know if I would have survived or not. Without phones. Mm. Mm. Like, it's so good. Like, I think when I think about it and think about those times for me is, like, especially with the bullying in primary school, I, like, it was severe and it was horrible. But as soon as I left that schoolyard, it finished. Yeah, like, yeah. I had a loving family. I had my brothers. I had my mum and dad, and they cared about me. And I felt good when I left school. Yeah. And I think that's probably one thing that kids these days don't get an opportunity to do. Like if they're being bullied at school and it's quite severe, when they go, um, when they leave and they go home, it's still there. It's it's on social media and it's just it's like that's never ending. Um, and you can understand how that leads to sort of just like feeling helpless and hopeless and then possibly suicide and you know feeling like there's no other options so um and you have illogical thoughts and fears as a child like Mm. some of the things when i think back of what i was scared of Mm. made no sense like none and that was before like I'd done damage to my mind, mm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we made those stupid mistakes. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. But I just, you know, like I, I lived in fear that even in primary school, that the teachers were going to drive out to my parents' place. We lived out of town, miles mm. out. And every time I heard a car on dirt road and I was in bed, I thought it was one of the teachers coming to tell my parents how bad I was. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. What is that? Yeah. You know, so that's a logical fear mm. of some sort. Yeah. And that was well pre-drugs and yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Paranoia. <laughs> before. Before everything. Before the fact. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Mm. We do, we do grow up believing those things, don't we? Even things like there's someone underneath the bed. Yeah, 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 all, yeah, yeah. The boogeyman oh, and all that. Yeah, totally, Freddy Krueger. Mm. Um, mm. Okay, so and through, did you like? Did you finish year twelve? Did you pull out beforehand? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, um, I think once, like after I, where are we? After I went to the psych ward and I was diagnosed and I started, I I get, I started getting support for my mental health. So I started taking medication, which wasn't great, but I think possibly helped me stabilize some moods. Still felt like a zombie, still didn't really want to be on medication, but, um, and stopped two years later. But I think that kind of was the start where I was kind of stabilizing again, able to stabilize moods, able to stabilize myself. And, um, 
And then I changed schools from an all-girls school to a co-ed school, which was really more up my, up my alley. Like I got to do like auto and woodwork and all those kinds of hands-on things, which were really engaged me. Um, and then went back, like was able to sort of really engage back into school. I had a good new friendship group in school and, um, and then, yeah, was able to finish year 12. Um, but yeah, um, I'm glad I did. I really am glad I did. Um, it was, um, yeah. It wasn't on the cards at the, you know, when I was in year eight, year nine, I was like, I'm just going to get out of here as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. But finished, um, yeah, finished at the, the Sandy te- Tech School and... Um, Sandringham. Yeah. 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 And then um, went on to uni as well. Yeah, so... Awesome. <laughs> and was that becoming a vision in year 12 to go to university or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time I got to year 12, I was like, no, I said, like, I, I worked out I wanted to be a youth worker. I worked out I wanted to help people and, um, you know, um, decided that that's, that was my career path. Um, and then my parents were like, well, maybe, why, why, why don't you, like have a think about it. Cause I was like, really, I'm really good at maths. And so I was like, you know, accounting was one of the things where I was like, I just excelled at. And they're like, why don't you think about it? You got these different career pathways you could go. And so I took a year off and I uh, had to think about it. Um, and then what did you do in that year while you're thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked at an accounting firm, but, um, well, I started working at an accounting firm, but at the end, like in October that year, I had a massive car accident and oh, spent, hell. <laughs> spent a couple of, a couple of months in hospital hospital so um yeah that was good thinking time what happened um oh i was at the <laughs> i was at the um the off street drags in um calder park and they'd been cancelled because it was wet and um they were doing road works at the time and everyone was doing burnouts on the way out and you know my boyfriend chucked me the keys because i was a designated driver and then as we get up to the line he's like do a burnout and so i did <laughs> Um, and there was gravel on the road and the sort of the back tire kind of clipped the gravel and then spam me around heart, like spam me around 180. And then I reversed onto the freeway and then got T-boned on the side by another car. And the car flipped around again and landed on this crazy embankment. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, um, got the jaws of life to cut me out. Oh Went my fucking God. And yeah. From the colder, cu- colder park burnout place. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. What sort of car did you oh, drop her in? It was a Lexan. Yeah. Toyota Lexan. Yeah. So not even like not, a fucking... No, it was not a hot enough car. Like, yeah. It was just a stock stand. And my boyfriend was pretty upset. It was like his, it was his, his car. Was he sort of in the car? He was, yeah. And he was cut out as well? No, no. He walked out. Like, um, so I got... But you got pinned. I, well, the car sort of came... Right, oh, T-boned your T-boned side. my side of the car. So, um, yeah. So he he kind of just opened the door, walked out, and he was, like, walking up and down. The, like, he was in shock. And so it's just, you know, chain smoking and chatting to me as I was sacking the car. And, Did he give you that? Um, I don't remember. Like, I have <laughs> I have no memory of this. I have a mate of mine who's, who says to me that he was, like, standing inside the car. So on the outside, but it, it was, like, because they're – the metal had um, had pushed in so much that he was standing on the inside of the car and I was asking him, oh, is it going to be okay? Like, is the car fine? And he was like, yeah, we'll just polish it out. <laughs> and my concern was like, my concern was the, um, yeah, was the car. Yeah. Not, not me. I didn't, no, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize sort of yeah. the damage that I had done. But yeah, I'd, um, I'd broken my hip 
Um, and so, Fuck. yeah, it kind of, kind of, yeah, messed it all up and had to have a couple of surgeries and stay in hospital for a while and learn to walk again. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. Were you in the nineties here? No. Um, oh, wait a minute. How am I trying to work out the maths now? Um, I was 18. So I was point eighty five. Yeah, late 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. Uh, I was just trying to think of the TAC commercials that were on at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there was a few horrific ones around there. They used yeah. to be really brutal. They were, were they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably could have started one. Yeah. Yeah. By the sound. Could have been the poster child for the TAC ads back then. So you're on your back in hospital and you had some time to think mm. and Calder Park burnouts weren't cutting out. I thought better go to uni. Better go to uni. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Should go to uni. Got, got no, um, no driving, um, driving jobs in front of me. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I went and did the youth work course and yeah, really loved it and worked as a youth worker ever since so and was was uni like wild days no no so um i was working full-time going to uni full-time and first year was part-time second uh, third and fourth year full-time um me and my partner were yeah we're like living by ourselves and trying to make ends meet and yeah it was it was just there was no wild wild times anymore it kind of like kind of felt like i'd done all my wild times when i was like 12 13 14 15 and i kind of got that out of my system yeah and i'm like yeah i was sort of eye on the prize um oh yeah that kind of that kind of thing i kind of got down this straight and narrow line it's like i went to a completely opposite end of where i was and yeah. i was just like no nope, gotta excel at uni gotta you know get my head straight and um and really sort of concentrate on you know doing that and so you know there would i mean there was obviously there's a bar at the university and you had lunchtime beers but it was never like yeah yeah, yeah. so did you have crazy. an end game like once you like you know you drive you know, i want to finish uni what am i gonna what i want to what do i want to do with this yeah so knowledge um i always wanted to help kids and help young people not feel like i guess my my whole end game for me was make sure that nobody had the experience i had yeah growing up um like to to try and reduce that that kind of experiences for anyone and and those that had even worse experiences because mine mine wasn't as bad as a lot of a lot of people that i've met and a lot of young people that i knew like you know kids didn't have homes and didn't have loving families and like i like i knew even back then that my saving grace was my family yeah yeah. having that support was there and so i was like well what about those people that don't have it so i always wanted to wanted to support and, and be that support to somebody else and to other young people that don't have it um and when i was in uni i um i had placement at a um at an organization that worked with homeless young people um you know doing crisis support um and then long-term support for young people that were homeless and um and then i got work there and then i stayed working there and in in different roles within that that homelessness area um for good 10 years yeah 
Was that was that in up in the city? Yeah, it's in yeah. um it's in Moorabbin. So I kind of worked from if you drew a, a triangle from the city down to Frankston, across to Dandenong, and then back to the city. That's a big that triangle. That was sort of the yeah, yeah the the areas that we were working in. Um, and I was um I I got to work in a num- number of different areas. Um, so I was working with young people um, that were coming out of the juvenile justice system and helping support them to re-engage back into, um, back into the world. And I was working with young people in the out-of-home care system as well. So when they turned 18, back then it was just turn 18, you leave care, like your support's gone and, um, you know, you're adult now. So, so go and live. Um, so that was that um, support there as well. Um, yeah, I really loved my job. It was really stressful, but I loved it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it was really, like, I guess by the end of it, I was really burnt out. Like, by the time I stopped working in that sector, I was, like, really burnt out. But it wasn't by the kids that I was seeing. It was more by the systems that I was working in. Like, just to see systems fail young people over and over and over again. And systems not just failing a young person, but failing a, generationally failing over and over so I think one of the 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 cases that really kind of broke me was I was working with a young girl whose mum she'd been taken off her mum and put into out-of-home care when she was quite young because her mum sold her into child sexual child sex rings um, when she was quite young and would um, inject her with heroin you're fucking kidding me It, it was horrible, like absolutely horrible. Um, and then this girl kind of grew up sort of since seven and I met her when she was 18 and she'd had, these people had been her family and the people that were supposed to care about her whole life. And so we were working with her on trying to, you know, change that and change that idea about, you know, what protection and what, you know, being cared for is. But then she got pregnant and by some miracle had a healthy baby um which was amazing um but once like once she had that healthy baby that baby was taken off her and placed in her mother's care oh my god and <laughs> you just like i you, you you we fought and we fought and we fought for them not to do this um you know we put we put the cases forward, but they just said, no, this is the best outcome for the baby. Um, their mother will still be able to come and see her. And like, so the grandmother um, had said, oh yeah, my daughter can come. We can all live together. She can still be part of the baby's life. And if she doesn't, you know, if she doesn't get off the drugs then you know, she can't stay at the house, but um, she can come see her baby and I'll facilitate that. And you just sit there going like, how how is this possible Mm. like and and how in this day and age when we knew what was going on we knew what happens and the trauma and you know the importance of you know from birth to like six to nine months like the attachment that happens there we know how important that is and yet for our systems to allow this to happen it's just it destroys you and you know that's probably the worst example that i saw um but I know it happens mm. over and over and over again. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again in, in lots of different areas. And I just, it breaks you as a human, it breaks you completely. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of got really burnt out from the work that I was doing. And that's why I kind of just quit. Well, well, what do they say? Like if your cup's not full, you can't yeah. give it any away, yeah. you, you know? And yeah. so obviously you depleted your cup. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it happens a lot in the field. I bet. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, it means that there's a lot of turnaround in workers and it means that there's um, that long term support isn't there and, you know, that continued. So what did that look like for you? I decided to just leave. Yeah. <laughs> so microphone yeah. drop. Yeah, I just kind of um there was there was the larger level bureaucracy and then within the agency that I was working in there was sort of internal bureaucracy that was going on that was yeah. just destroying the ability that we had and the flexibility that we had within our work to do good stuff. Yeah. Um and so I just was like, it's time. And I'd always wanted to travel and I'd always wanted to go overseas. And I'm, you know, I was getting older and I'm like, at 30, it was a cutoff to get that two year visa over in the UK. And I was like, I gotta go, gotta Mm. just do it. And so I just left, picked up and left, um, went overseas um, and started living in London. Um, stayed in London for a year. Did you know anyone have contacts and stuff? Um, I had a friend of mine that I knew was living over there. So um, I rocked up over there. We kind of were in touch, but not really. Um, so he wasn't really that helpful. I ended up in this hostel, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, this hostel in like, uh, like uh, not Brick Lane. I can't remember which area it was. It was, a, it was a pretty dingy area in this hostel. And um, and I started, you know, just talking to everyone that was around. And then I soon realized that that hostel is where people that were um, extradited from other countries were placed whilst they were looking for <laughs> houses for them. So I made some really cool friends, but they, you know, there was a couple of guys that had been, um, wow, wild that had been deported from like, from, from America and were, you know, deported back to us, um, tapped back to England and we're like living in this hostel until they could find somewhere. And I was like, I think I might, might not be the right place for me. <laughs> I only stayed a couple of nights, but I still have one of one of the guys that I met there. Still good friends of mine. Love um, it. Still lives in London. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So London, you know, I just worked around doing lots of different things. Sort of dabbled in some youth work, um, but mainly worked in bars and schools and that kind of stuff. And then headed up to Scotland because uh, London was just too busy um, and crazy. Um, and ended up in a farm um, in Scotland doing lambing. So lambing like yeah yep cutting lamb sales off well no no like pulling lambs out of use oh like <laughs> it was okay. bizarre it was so bizarre birthing um, birthing yeah yep uh, but like it was yeah it was assisted birthing like right yeah you didn't just watch it happen and be like all right cool lambs got this like yeah. they wanted me to hands on hands on be hands on it was um and it was an experience oh i bet Definitely an experience. Um, and so these farms have like, if I, I'm, my visuals say like stone fences and uh, castles in the background. <laughs> there was a castle. There was, oh, it was a, a Lord's house. Uh-huh. It wasn't a castle, but it was, um, it was castle. It was a big looking. house. It was yeah. a big castle. Big castle house. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was castles. Like there was so many castles. Like you, we just, um, there's, a, there's another one and there's another one. Like you, you just kind of get, um, castled out, castled out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love Scotland. Scotland's such a beautiful country. Like it's green and lush and hilly and beautiful. And yeah. You know, I've done a lot of traveling and I've never been to England or London really? uh, uh, or Scotland. Really? No. Wow. Get there. We'll get to Scotland. London's meh. Well, I just always thought 
London was like a big Melbourne and I'm not so fond of Melbourne so mm. it was always uh, I can go a lot of other places yeah 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 I definitely recommend Scotland over yeah over London but yeah it was beautiful up there um yeah and big drinking culture big drinking culture yeah yeah and um and so when you've given up being a um what do you call a nurse that helps deliver babies Oh, uh, a midwife. A midwife. <laughs> yeah. When you finished your midwife flaming <laughs> job. Mid- mid- midwifery? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I went and worked in the youth sector again. I worked in out-of-home care in Scotland, and that was horrific. Like, not only have they got all the problems of Australia, but they have privatised the sector. And so the children are looked at as money. God. funds going in and yeah. out of the organization so like there were heads on beds and you know you had it's probably the worst yeah the worst youth work experience i had was like i would be beaten up and spat on and i saw workers just you know coaxing kids into fighting so that they could get a easier shift and yeah there were some horrible things that were happening over there when i was over there um but yeah it was an experience <laughs> fuck you just don't know how good we've got it sometimes no. you really don't no like we when when you saw that in the comparison to what we do here you decide all right cool so there's there is worse like you thought you can always do better but there is worse and um yeah i know that they were talking about it over here of doing like sort of that idea of privatization and you just like don't don't go down that route because there are money hungry people out there and they will take advantage of people that they can take advantage of and those that need support are the ones that they can take advantage of and it's just not not a good environment. No, I think if you just look at America, like mm. anytime you privatize a sector, it just mm. fucking goes to shit, mm. and people miss, and some people take too much, and yeah, yeah. So it wasn't great, but yeah, it was a good experience. I think it helped shape sort of the what not to do's. You know yeah, I mean? like sometimes when you see things not working, you kind of get a real good idea of like what doesn't work and what's what's not okay. Um, and it really cements sort of some of the learnings and things like that that you've had and the reasons why you do things, um, which is good. Yeah, it's really good. So you, did you leave Scotland to come home? No, no, I left Scotland um, to travel. Like, because I felt like I hadn't travelled. I was just working yeah, and yeah. getting by, just living in another country, which was great. Um, but just um, I always had that sense of adventure that I wanted to do something different. So um, me and a friend of mine decided to walk the Camino Trail um, in the north of Spain. Um, so we spent... Did you do the whole thing? 40 days. Yeah, 40 days walking. Awesome. It was really, really cool. Um, yeah, really transformative experience. Like there's, I tried to explain what it's like to people and it does that words don't, words don't um, come close to being able to describe, um, to describe the experience that you had. But it's 41 days. You, you don't need to worry about anything but putting a backpack on your back and then walking. And then you go to the end of the day and you get in the you know get in at the hostel and you stay there and you know there's amazing experiences that happen every day there's new people that you meet and there's um like ridiculous scenery that you see and you have a lot of space in your mind to think as well and that's something that's really rare because we live such busy busy lives and we're always you know what's the next thing and you know where are we going to and who are we seeing and you know our phones are constantly pinging at us and like 
on the walk, there was none of that. There was silence. There was just you and yourself and possibly a couple of other people around you to kind of bounce all those ideas of what's going on in your head off. But naturally through conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, But, you know, there was a lot of, you know, that reflection time and, you know, it was it was just yeah out as well um it was really hard to kind of come back into living again um but yeah it was um yeah such an amazing experience um and and the people that i met along the way were it's it's quite bizarre it's like you like sounds strange when i say it out loud to people but it's like the path provided what you needed and so the people came into your life um, that you were walking with um, at different times and, um, and they brought different perspectives and they were what you needed to think about at that time or what you needed in your life at that moment. And, you know, when there was, when I was like hurt and I was struggling to walk and there was, you know, this guy with a walking stick came into my life and he was still just in the most amount of pain and he was like i'm just going to take it one step at a time and he was just like i'm slowing your life down you just got to slow life down and take it one step at a time when you're injured you know it's just about you know changing your perspective and sort of you know those experiences kind of happened every day all the way along and um and it kind of really taught you to just follow what the world gives you it was like a really few things going through my mind one is um well, it sounds like a hell of a spiritual experience yeah. <laughs> and there's a, some sort of order, weird order happening that like, and the old adage that like when you're ready, the teacher will appear, mm. you know, like, yeah. and yeah. then if you just let go into the day that the right things sort of shift, you could take mm. that, you can pull that back into a bigger life thing if you're really listening to your heart mm. then and not doing what you think you should be doing and you get into that flow. Yeah allow the right next thing to happen without forcing it yeah yeah it really kind of in the ballpark yeah it kind of teaches you to like listen to the world so not just listen to like internally but also listen to what if something's hard why is it hard Mm. like if you're if you're going towards a goal and there's so many obstacles in the way why and like what's going on and maybe that's not the right space that you should be heading towards and and maybe taking a step back and just going all right well go with the flow a little bit more don't sort of be so um headstrong into a goal or a you know attaining something or being somewhere or being something it's just move it back and just be like all right so if i want to get somewhere maybe i need to follow a different path that will eventually get me to that space so it's just yeah recognizing recognizing the signs that are that are coming at you as well and being open to them um like allowing things to happen um to you and then learning from those experiences as well so like don't try and control your environment as much Mm. and it was um yeah it was really i think a big catalyst for me of like where i am now is because i've been able to sort of take that it was really hard but bringing that back into a normal living normal life because like when you're in that extreme environment it's really easy to start just flowing and going with the flow and it's really really easy to just be like all right well this is where we're at because there's nothing else around you and no competing um 
just no, no competing people or um, things that you need to do or even requirements. Like I didn't even think about money or, um, you know, where I was going to get the next paycheck or anything like so, that. So what happens? How do you be fed and things like that? Oh, you, um, well, you do have to have money with you. <laughs> okay. Like it's not that you don't, but yeah. like I'd already planned and I'd already budgeted it. Yeah, into yeah. My, so I had yeah. the money there that I knew that I could walk. And it was like, it's super cheap. Like I think it was 10, 10 euros a day that I was spending at the most. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't spending And that's that for much. a bed and... That's for bed and food for the day and, you know wine 50 cents so <laughs> <laughs> really didn't need much yeah like, awesome mm. but um but yeah so like it, you you didn't have all those other things that you needed to think about so it was really easy to just go with the flow yeah. and just be okay that's come my way i can follow that along um but when you get back into sort of your normal living or your normal even normal traveling you're like oh no well i need to make decisions and i need to um yeah not not just follow a path that forms out in front of me. I need to actually sort of make decisions. Function in this madness. Function. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was like a really formative experience for me. Um, and returning back to the normal world was really, really difficult. I think my brother would tell, like he came and visit, he came and met me over in Spain at the end of the, um, the end of the the walk for like a holiday for him. I don't think it was much of a holiday for him because he was just like dealing with me trying to like <laughs> come back into the world. And, um, and I think we fought so much, but it was great. <laughs> it's great to have him there. But yeah, it was... Um, mm. Anytime I feel like you step outside the, the natural cadence of the modern world mm. and disconnect from it and do something and then you come back in, it's, all, it's tricky. It's so tricky. But because you can see, you go, oh my god, the fuck is this that mm. we're supposed to condition to just plug yeah. back into and care about? Yeah, feels wrong. It does. It- Until you so they pull you back in. <laughs> they do. And it's so you fight it so much. It's like once you've taken the step out and you know there's something different, it's really hard to kind of get back in, and then you kind of play with in and out all the time and you get sucked in and then you kind of get sucked in for a while and then you kind of get a point where you take a step back and go oh no 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 stop stop don't need to be sucked in and like it's just yeah this this little game it becomes of like trying to find that balance mm. yeah um, but it's hard to find that balance really really hard yeah mm. Yeah, um, unless you're living a pretty selfish existence like myself. With them. <laughs> <laughs> Just like hide out. Yeah, yeah. Surf a lot. Sounds great. It's good. Um, Sounds really good. No, no, but like I'm really aware that I'm at right now I'm in this little bubble and I think mm. it was it's like because of the COVID mm. yep. thing where I, you know, we all got sent home yep. to our bedrooms to think about things for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like... corner. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm like, well, I'll go to the supermarket and go to Winky and I'm just still, that was like the government said I could do that. Yep. And now I'm still just doing that. It seems to be pretty good. <laughs> It's still excellent. I mean, it's not a bad. That's great. I'm like, yeah, my life is pretty stripped back as it was. And now I'm like, just sort of like holding on. Yeah. (laughs) Be interesting when everyone starts getting back into it all. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like concerts have started again, which is really weird going to. And have you been to one? Yeah. Yeah. I went to the one out of Mount Mount Dunedin. Yeah. Which was. Who was there? Missy Higgins. Missy Higgins. Really? Cool. Um, And Tones and I. Yeah. How was Missy? Yeah. She was great. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you know, 
well, obviously grew up with her. So it's not, I don't know any of her new songs, but, yeah. you know, grew up with her and it's just that, you know, um, reminiscing of when I was back da- down at that age. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Music's cool. Okay, so you come back from the 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 Camino, Camino, um, and then did you come home? No, no. Fuck, let's keep going. (laughs) Um, No, then I then I mooched around Spain for a bit and ended up um, so I just you know volunteering and um, and working my way around Spain and I had my car, so I was driving around, which is really cool, Um, and ended up in this hostel in Peniche in Portugal. Um, and that was another transformative experience for me. Mm. Um, so that's where I learned to surf. So this that's- was your first like ocean kind of ex- surfing experience? Maybe mm, not experience. Um, so I, I, uh, I had a sneaky surf lesson once in, um, sneaky, a sneaky one, um, in, um, the UK, um, uh, when, um, it was a horrendously, um, where in the UK, um, Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah. 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 So we friend, a couple of friends drove down there for, um, for a surf lesson and like a surf retreat type thing. We'd n- none of us had surfed before. So can I just um, get you off? Did you ever see the English surf movie called Blue Juice? No. Oh my God. You've <laughs> got to watch it, especially with your time over there. You'll yeah. love it. Catherine right. Zeta Jones's first movie, I think. Oh, really? It's so good. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um anyway so yeah i was i was over there i had one surf lesson but it wasn't that great like we got 20 minutes in the water and nobody stood well a couple of people stood up but i didn't um but yeah i went to i went to this little um uh, little town um which is sort of just south of Peniche, which is called costa la Sal. and um yeah we um i was working in the hostel there um and the guy um lewis that was the owner he was like a mad keen surfer um and i was like i was finding it real tough to like i was having a real downtime when i was there um in what sense oh homesick no it was kind of camina trail sick getting off the trail sick um just lost um pretty low like i i Obviously, like I've, when I was younger, I was diagnosed with bipolar. Um, and so I always get bouts of ups and downs and ups and downs. And, um, I was just like in a really, really low space. Like I was trying to kind of get myself out of it and I was going, I was traveling, I was doing all the amazing experiences, but it was just like dulled and my senses were dulled. Mm. Um, and when I was there, I was just sort of cleaning toilets and then I would just lie on my bed and I might go for a run to try and try and sort of not be spaced out all the time but you know it would just like it was just dulled and um and he's just like come up to me and went Rachel you need to learn to surf like you need to surf and this will help you and I'm like whatever (laughs) like like this is gonna help like nothing helps I just I feel shit um and um and so he organized one of his mates that has a surf school to take me out for a surf lesson and I remember, like, I remember distinctly getting in the, like, I was, I was really nervous and I got the board and we had big foamies and got in the, got in the, um, got in the ocean. And when I was in there, like, it's kind of like every, the, the dark cloud that I had just sort of dulling at life and just like making me feel really, really bad kind of stayed at the sand. And when I like entered the water, I 
was just enjoying myself. Like it was playful. It was fun. And yeah, I felt good again. Um, I didn't stand, but you know, I had a, like I had the ocean that was sort of like, I had no opportunity to think about anything else. Cause like the ocean was pounding me and I was like going underwater all the time. I had to concentrate and try and keep this board that was just flying everywhere from like hitting me in the head or hitting someone else in the head. And, um, it's a new world with new rules. Oh, totally, totally new world, new rules, new everything, new experience. And, but every time I caught a wave, it was fun. Like it was like a little bit exhilarating. My heart kind of beat a bit faster and you know the adrenaline was kicking in there and i think that's that's some pretty good um pretty good happy drugs going on you know just naturally through my body as i was um as i was doing this and and i was like i like this like this is this is kind of cool it's kind of fun like i was really horrible at it i couldn't do it very well but i liked it um and so the next day I grabbed a surfboard again and went out and then I had, I think I had organized six lessons with these guys and every day I was out there. Um, and then they started because I was working there. They're like, I'll oh, come to the afternoon session as well. So I was like doing the morning and the afternoon and I'd clean toilets in between and then, um, you know, got to my feet and just went, Oh, this is even better. (laughs) This is amazing. Um, and then just was like hooked, absolutely hooked. Like I, my car eventually broke down because of all the salt water, just like seized it all up and (laughs) it was old. It was supposed to go like, you know, turned into a rock. Yeah. Did turn into a rock. But, um, so I spent the whole, the rest of the month, um, just, surfing as much as possible just you know i'd ride the push bike with the surfboard in the rack you know it'd take me about 45 minutes to ride to the um to the beach like the the beginner beaches and i just was you know so hell-bent on like this is my thing this is this is really helping and and you know slowly but surely like the mood didn't just lift whilst i was in the ocean i was feeling better all round like I wasn't just feeling better in the ocean I was came home and I had more energy and I wanted to go out and we went you know we'd go out and we'd go to all the parties and that kind of stuff where they were there and made new friends and went to the festivals and it was like really fun um and really really changed my mood and you know that that was something special because there's not a lot of things that like I've had a lifetime of of depression and and like highs and lows and that's that's just been my life and it will always be my life um but this kind of this this helped, and like that's amazing. Like this is like magic drug, um, and even if it was just for five minutes, so sorry, not five for, for like the two hours that I'm in the water or the three hours that I'm in water. Like that's three hours of like not feeling sad, and when you're feeling sad all the time, like that's an amazing amount of time, and it's just an amazing experience to like stop feeling sad. Um, you know the weird, weird thing that I just keep thinking about, like. Uh, I had a similar experience when I was really young mm. with it and it was just like th- th- that's that became my singular thing it was like mm. the same as you it made me it gave me something to hang my hat on yeah yeah everything else sucked but I knew that this one thing that was physical challenging outside of every other th- space that I inhibited on the land mm. I had this little treasure mm. and uh and, and and more I think about it now that you're talking about it, it's like there's something so primal mm. about it that like you swap this world for that world. Yeah. And there's nothing um, guaranteed in that world. Mm. And so 
it brings out there's a real vulnerability to it mm-hmm. and you really brings you that vulnerability really brings you for me i think for everyone that's in the ocean you have to be really present and in the moment yeah and because you're not the king of the food chain anymore and so there's an element of fear yeah. and it, and that primal feeling goes all the way back mm-hmm. and i think that's really healthy Mm. because yeah, you know your challenge you're being physical the negative ions in the ocean changes the way you feel without mm. you, with it, it just does yeah and and There's so many elements there, yeah and it? it humbles you just mm. repetitively mm. yeah it's a great teacher yeah anyway sorry amazing teacher. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a like yeah it's just an experience that you like can't have anywhere else no, no. You don't have anywhere else. Like, there's nothing like it on land that you could kind of go, oh, it's kind of like this. It's that. No, nothing, nothing like it. But it's amazing. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and change, change the whole world. Like, now everything has a surf focus. So, um, you know, one, like on my way home, like I then traveled a couple more times. I went away, came back to. Um, back to Costa La Salle for a second month of cleaning toilets so I could surf. Um, and then, you know, slowly made my way home, got back to Melbourne um, and lived with my parents for a little bit. But then I was just like going down the coast every single chance I got and brought my first surfboard and then brought my second surfboard and then, you know, just kept going down and, and trying to surf and learning to surf and trying to absorb, like, just completely put myself into the, the surf lifestyle. Um, and then I was driving down, oh, down to Lawn, oh, back from Lawn one day and I was just like, I'm moving down to Torquay and like the week later I moved and found a share house and I've been down here ever since. And um, yeah, it just, it changed my whole life. And then because of the experiences that I had as a youth worker and the knowledge that I had as a youth worker, I was like, this, this is something that I need to share with kids. Like, this is something that could potentially change many young people's lives just by having a chance to learn it. Um, and so, yeah, I started that research side of it of like, you know, is there such thing as surf therapy or can surfing be used to help others? And, you know, what, what stuff's out there in the world? And so um, started going down the little rabbit hole and found that surf therapy was a real thing. Um, and there's places all around the world that do it. Is that right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I was surprised I didn't run into them when I was in the UK, but um, the Wave Project um, is in the UK. They run in 10 different beaches at the moment, um, running, you know, therapeutic surfing programs for um, young people um, that are, yeah, mental health challenges, disabilities. Um, I think they're looking at adults now too, but yeah, they're like... There was that. They're in the um, in South Africa, in America. Um, yeah, anywhere you could, anywhere you find good surf beaches, you found um, yeah surf therapy programs. And I was like, well, it's not one here. We're in Torquay. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what's happening? Like, it's supposed to be like, from what I understood, like a mecca of surf. Um, and there was there was nothing here, uh, nothing quite like it. And I, I searched and I looked and I, I tried to find, you know, the, a program that was around here and I couldn't. And um, and so I was like, well, I've got no job. I'm not doing much of my time at the moment. I had a couple of you know casual gigs on the side, just getting getting by so I could surf. And I was like, well, maybe it's 
maybe it's something we should look into. Um, and so then I, I contacted the CEO over at the UK. Um, was that exciting? That would have been pretty exciting to see an opportunity. And it was. It kind of all fell into. It kind of all fell into place. Like. Um, I met people along the way, like, you know, when you're, when you're talking yeah. about, when we were talking before about sort of following the path that's laid out before you and, and allowing things to come into your life and allowing sort of to follow those directions. Like that was what was happening as I was sort of. There's a word I love, along. it's serendipitous. It was, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Like people I would meet and they would, you know, they would say, yeah, I'm just, like, like I would talk to them about this idea and they'd jump on board or they'd know somebody that could help. And then, you know, connections were just forming so, so quickly. And, um, and you know, I, I, put an email out to all the surf therapy organizations that I found and just went, I want to try something here. Are you keen to like talk to me? Um, and from that, like Joe got back to me from the wave project in um, the UK and went, let's do it. Like, let's, let's run the, the wave project in Australia and see what happens. And so he gave me funds and then he's like, he never met me. Like he didn't know me. Like we'd, we'd kind of like Skyped in like really grainy Skypes. Um, that were quite, you know, hard to hear each other. It wasn't, it wasn't in the time of Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we had, had talks about, you know, what they did over there and he gave me his program design. He gave me the model um, and he just went, yeah, I believe in you. Give it a go. Here's, awesome. here's some funds and let's pilot it. Um, and that was amazing. And then I put stickers like or posters on the side of my car and as i went surfing i left posters on the side of my car asking for volunteers in the local area to come help us out and people would call <laughs> and i was just like i was amazed people people wanted to be involved people there were so many people that were just like hey i want to yeah question uh so how from you have volunteers and yeah. you have um the friend in England helping yeah and but then how did you reach out and find the kids or was that because you were already doing youth work you had a connection into no I kind of just because I knew the youth sector like I just sent out emails to let different organizations in the area know about what I was trying to do yeah. and that we were piloting something and to refer a young person through and I'd go and talk to talk at team meetings and that kind of stuff but I kind of didn't do a good job of it like I was like is this surf therapy like how do you explain surf therapy yeah. to someone like it's a really hard concept to explain um it isn't but it is like if you're a surfer you get it you're like surf therapy totally makes sense if you're not a surfer they're like what you know there's some surfer that wants to get kids in the water and get paid for it like what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you have to really get that, that understanding of like what it is I'm doing um, and being able to articulate it to professionals was a, was a, was a difficult sort of sell. Um, but, you know, eventually we got our first group of young people. I think we had six young people in our first group um, and we had 10 mentors that were just like rip-roaring and ready to go and they're like this is exciting just want to be able to support and where were the kids from um geelong and surf coast yeah 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 so we had you and know, these poor little tykes were pretty i just you know i guess we are open to a lot of young people like we don't have a really closed off sort of yeah. um referral um requirement like if a young person is having trouble in their lives or challenges in their lives and surfing might help or and having a mentor might help send them to us yeah. like um we get young people from lots of different walks of life and lots of different experiences um so we're not really boxed into anything mm-hmm. um 
but we're here saying we're an early intervention space. We, we're working before young people are getting to that pointy end. Um, and sometimes still with the young people that are, are sort of, you know, experiencing quite significant trauma or quite significant issues in their lives, we will work with them too, but we work with all of them. Um, so, um, so yeah, the, the, the young people get referred from a, a service. So it could be a school. It could be a psychologist. It could be... Um, parents? Par- not no. really parents. No. So the way we set it up, we kind of need to... Because we run them for free. Like, mm. we just want to make sure that the young people that are getting referred through the program need support. And so to do that, we've kind of gone, well, if a support service sends them through, we know that they are getting support or that they are in need of support. Whereas if a parent does, there, there is that opportunity where a parent just wants a free service for their kids or a free surf, surf lesson for their kids. It might not be, yeah, <laughs> might not be the right, um, yeah, referral. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah, we, we make that requirement of just a support service, but that could be your teacher at school. So it's a really easy way of doing it. And you know, I've had parents call me and really sort of like beg because their kid won't see anyone and won't get support from anyone, but would, but said that they would come to our program and say, can I refer them? And you know, after the conversation, I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, but it's just about having that conversation beforehand. So it's, yeah. yeah. And so how long does, is it not just a one-off experience for the kid? No. 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 So we run a six-week program. Yeah. Um, and over that six weeks, it's once a, once a week um, for two hours. So it's not just a not just surfing for two hours. We go down there. We kind of help the young people create relationships, work on their communication, work on sort of some skills to support them in their lives, um, and then also surfing as well. And, um, and over those six weeks, they develop a relationship with their mentor as well. So the mentor is just uh, anyone from the community that is, keen to support kids um that comes down they support us they support them from the time they arrive at the program just getting them into their wetsuits helping them with their board and then in the water they're one-to-one with the young person pushing them into waves making sure they have an absolute ball um and it's so much fun god it's fun um and then um after that six-week program, the young people are then invited to join our surf club. So it's the Ocean Mind Surf Club. It's specifically for any kid that's done our six-week program, um, and it's that continued support. So they can be part of that for as long as they want, and they come down um, weekly or fortnightly um, and learn, keep surfing. There'll be always mentors down there. There's a little bit like it's not one-to-one support, but there's always like a group of adults there to support them in the water and to support them on the sands. Sometimes some kids come down down there and they don't want to be in the water they just want to build sandcastles and that kind of stuff but others just want to surf and surf and surf and so we're really it's really just forming community um and so we form sort of that ocean mind community with our surf clubs um and they can be involved there for as long as they want but if they're still there when they're 16 which a couple of them have been we start sort of putting the pressure on but inviting them to um become a peer mentor and so that circle kind of continues which is really beautiful where The young people needed help, didn't know how to surf, learned to surf, got involved with the community, started, you know, honing their skills and then then be able to teach somebody else to surf and be able to be there and be a mentor for another another young person and sort of change that idea of who they are to somebody from somebody needing help to somebody able to give help. And it's like really really transformative. Like it really changes the way you internally see yourself. There's a lot of programs that are built Mm. around that structure. Yeah. Yeah, there totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just such an amazing, from receiving, 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 to be able to be then turn around and then say, 
yeah. I, I'm good now and now I can I can give, give on the information that was freely given to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing circle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's beautiful to see. Like we've had oh not too many, but I think we've had about four or five young people that have gone through that circle now. And it's just like you just see that confidence. That confidence and that self worth in like the self worth for them just skyrocket as they've been able to sort of move through that cycle. Um, and you know, the leadership skills and just the development that they have through that process is just phenomenal to see. And for yourself? Mm. Oh, <laughs> I cry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> happy tears, happy, happy tears. But well, I it doesn't matter if they're not like we all go through all the myriads, but oh, that is definitely. so beautiful, right? Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have the cry moments every time a program starts of like when, because there's a lot of work leading up to the actual first session and the first session when you've done all the pre-work and the kids and their mentors are all walking out. So they're standing next to each other, walking out into the ocean together and you know what they're about to experience. And you know, like that they're just about to have the most amazing time for their lives. And you just kind of like get a bit choked up and just be like, mm, it's, it's, it's working. It's happening. Yeah. It's such a big deal for them too. Yeah. Like I think something we take for granted mm. It's such a big deal for someone mm. to hold a surf or to stand on the beach, yep. to go into a, like so many people are frightened of the water. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's yep, totally, it's, um, it's big. It is big. It's scary. It's, you know, unpredictable. Yeah. That's the um, best part of it and the worst part of it. Yeah. Um, I've been seeing online uh, some friends of mine who are not surfers, but they're uh, getting into it in a late age. Mm standing just so they're posting photos of themselves on facebook and stuff with these huge foamies just yep. beaming though like yep. it's just like it's pretty cool yeah yeah i love watching adults learn to surf like because i was i was 30 when i learned to surf like um and you know it, it was it was tough like it's it's one of those things that you just have so much to learn and if you've not been in like a surf, like if you don't go to surf beaches often, so you're not just learning board, board control, how to paddle, how to, you know, stand on the board, where to put your weight, that kind of stuff. You also got to learn how to read the ocean and where to sit on a wave and, you know, all those kind of things, how to control a board when a wave's coming at you. Like that's all like constant learning. And it's, you know, the hardest thing to do and you need so much perseverance to just keep going at it and getting absolutely totaled and then getting injured and then keeping going back out. Like it's, um, it's a tough thing to do, but you get so much from it that. I think yeah. it's got the hardest bell curve mm. of anything, of anything I've ever done of, of learning. Like, you know, you get on a skateboard and as soon as you're standing on it, you're, you're practicing yeah but to surf you've got to actually got to get a board you've got to go to the beach there's got to be waves mm. got to be waves that you can handle mm. you've got to be able to get out the back yep. you got to sit there look you got then you got to not you got to catch one and then stand it up for a second fall off and you practice for a second yeah you know it's just it, that curve and then you just got you know that repeat process mm. is so so long and arduous but i don't think that there's anything that gives back like it no once you your skill set just refines and refines and refines yeah. and then how many fucking rabbit holes can you jump down like <laughs> you know different types of boards oh, fins yeah. you know places to explore around the world mm. cultures mm. And, and within it like I, the, the whole there's a there's a secret aspect to it all you know mm. like of going off and having experiences that are for you and you just yeah not for the social media side of the whole thing and yeah it's just such an amazing yeah we're lucky mm. indeed yeah indeed 
that's why I need to share that with all the kids. Yeah, it's great. It's it's amazing. Um, and so through this journey and you giving, 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 do you think that it's helped you overall? And you know, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I've created a dream job. Yeah. Like I couldn't think of doing anything better. Like in in the space of youth work like not often do you get to see so many positive experiences over and over and over again usually you sit and see negative negative and maybe one a year like you see a change or a growth or a, a something um but i get to see it all the time and um it's not only in the young people either like the volunteers and the changes that they have in their um their surfing their relationships their their self-worth their experiences um you know all of the changes that they have like that's amazing as well the community that forms and just you know being able to see so much positive change in the world on such a regular basis like i can't imagine a better job i can't imagine a better space to be in um you know even on you know some of my worst days being able to get a a letter from a kid or a letter from a a volunteer or just you know expressing their complete gratitude for having opportunity to do something like this is just like another tears moment yeah 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 Yeah. um yeah it's it's absolutely phenomenal so um yeah and then being able to like now we're at a space where we get to employ people like we have we have now eight employees and they all come from different walks of life some of them have been surfers their whole life others have in the learning learning to surf journey as well and um and being able to employ them and give them these dream jobs and give them you know the opportunity to um to explore surfing and support and you know how that how we can you know build on this and make it even better like it's it's amazing absolutely amazing and now we haven't said for anyone who might be listening what it's ocean mind right it's ocean mind yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah the organization's called ocean mind and uh we have a website we have social media and all that kind of stuff if anyone wants to find us um yeah it's um it's all out there um and please do especially if you want to volunteer yeah <laughs> yeah yep we're always we're um we had so many young people referred through the program in the last sort of nine nine months, twelve months, um, and we just have too many on the waiting list that we're trying to double what we do, no, quadruple what we do. Um, so provide more and more services. So is that triple a six week course? Yeah. So what we're doing is we usually do one a term um every term and then one the, six week block. one six week rock well, yeah. for, for 10 young people a term yeah because that's kind of where we were where we're prone to um in feb we're doing four <laughs> so 40 young people we're wow in the water yep um and then in april we're going to do another 40 um and then in the school holidays we're going to try and do 20 so um yep that's that's our goal because of the referrals that we've had through and because we know post post COVID, post lockdown, post last year and the craziness that was last year, people have been affected, young people have been affected and we're seeing that in the referrals that we're getting through to Ocean Mind. Well, I mean, domestic violence is up by how much? Mm, I don't know the stats. I don't know the stats either, but it's horrible, yeah. I think. And you could only imagine some of the poor kids that have been locked at home witnessing mm. some... Pretty horrific stuff. Yep. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's so much that, that happened in the last year that, um, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Like here we are kind of just having a chat, Mm. 
like everything's normal and things are normal but when i really think about it like last year's really weird and i don't think that we'll see what like has affected our subconscious mm. you know i was thinking, i was walking on the beach last night with the dog and there wasn't too many people around and then i was just thinking it wasn't that long ago when we wa- was walking the dog and everyone was like stay away from me mm. uh you know it was that whole vibe of like no one knew mm. you know and i didn't know and i was fucking petrified yeah. like people would come up and talk to you and want to give you a bro down and a hug and i was just like get the fuck away from me yeah you know yeah we don't know what this is mm. and very much you know jobs are lost we say i just think that there's a, there's a repercussion of this that we're not really maybe not maybe i could be wrong i've uh I think there will be. Like, I think we're we're probably going to start seeing it this year, and then, um, like, we're we're already sort of seeing some of it in you know just in in um, the referrals that are coming through and the support services that are inundated with with you know cries for help. Um, you know, I know that there's big long waiting lists for things like Headspace in in Geelong, and um, and there's you know support services that just don't have the capacity. Um, to support the amount of young people um, that are that are coming through and asking for support or requiring support. Um, well, and then we're we're still in this bubble. We are, because then you we look are, at America or yeah. UK or y- Europe having mm. still some of their most like it's a it's just it's such a weird time. It is, yeah. Um, I think there's going to be some positive stuff that comes out of this as well, though. Fucking hope like, so. I really like. I really think. <laughs> People have had a chance to reevaluate. You know, when we're talk, like when we're talking about going on a long walk, and I just had space to think. I think a lot of people have had that space as well, and I think it helps people reevaluate sometimes. Of the, you know, what's important in life, and you know, um, I know I've heard a lot, a um, lot of people that usually work long hours talk about how amazing it is spending time with their family and being being able to work from home and having that real connection with family and and understanding that that's probably something they don't want to give up anymore mm. um and so you know that that i think is really really positive um but yeah you're right there is that that you know what what are the, going to be the, the long-term negative effects and there have been people that have lost their jobs that have lost everything there's been people that you know have needed to you know move back in with parents and family and really rely on community which might be a good thing it might not be a great good thing but you know there's there's also been some amazing things like a community initiatives that have come out of people just going oh, i got some time i want to help the community and what can i do and and looking at how they can support in many different ways um and and new initiatives popping up to go you know if you need something we're here um which is great mm. yeah um so i think it's going to be a bit of both like there are going to be some challenges ahead um and well, always know, we talk about you know, mm. like new normal or what does life look like and we're still in it like we're yeah. still in it there's no we haven't come out the other end yet um and I don't know if there's... Uh, someone texted me the other day and was like, yay, vaccine. And I was like, I don't really look at the news too often. Mm. I, I give it a skim, make sure the world's not imploding and then uh, get on with my day. Yeah. Uh, is this true? I don't know. You don't know either. I don't know. I, I, know, I heard that there was one that was I'm approved. Like, yeah. But I don't know where that sits. Yeah. But like, like the iPhones, I won't be rushing out to get the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people have this idea. It's like, oh, maybe we'll let the... The, you know, yeah. some other people be the first guinea pigs and we'll like, 
maybe i'll stay in my bubble a bit longer in a year we might see what's going on i don't know in in my head i'm always like when we talk about zombie movies where do we always start with a vaccine does it (laughs) oh a lot of the time it's like a vaccine or you know a drug that um that's been proven as safe and yeah 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 zombies yeah yeah i mean it's all it's all you know sci-fi type stuff what have you been watching in this lockdown um Oh, Everything. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, guilty pleasure. I got obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. Um, you went back. I did. And I started the season. I started from like first episode, awesome. first season. And yeah. didn't realize quite how long the episodes were and how many seasons there were. How many are there? I think they're up to like 20. Shut. Or something like that. 20 or. Seasons. And they have 24 episodes in each. <laughs> 24 episodes, man. It was just marathon, just Grey's Anatomy. You knocked it out? I did. I Congratulations. Just to give you a plaque. <laughs> <laughs> don't, know if I should, don't know if it should be a, something to be congratulated for. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of my life I lost. It just shows a lot of commitment. Mm. Um, yeah. It was, um, yeah. Yeah. But now I'm trying not to watch as much anymore. We can go outside now. No, I know we can. Mm. But like, and I, I just go with the mood. Like some nights I'm like, I, I feel like I just cannot turn the television on. Mm. And then other nights I'm like, yeah, so I'm ready to yeah. check out. To just, yeah. Because I, like I try and live in the extremes of like, I'm never fucking watching. I'm going to kill my television. I'm going to throw it out. <laughs> Who needs it? <laughs> and a week later be like, where is that television again? You know? I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try and find a medium it's tricky it is yeah i don't know just go with the flow yeah what you feel yeah yeah rachel i want to say thank you so much for coming to the horse's mouth not a problem thanks for having me yeah we can shake hands now yeah See, you see, I told you, I told you that she was a good egg doing great things for the community. Um, I hope you enjoyed our chat. Um, and, and, and as much as I enjoyed talking to Rach, so Rach, if, if you're out there listening, thank you so much for coming over and, um, and, and being so open and honest and sharing your story with me. Um, I'm no doubt that, uh, you will have touched many people. So thank you so much, uh, for sharing now. Also, um, if you're out there and you, you know, just to recap on that, if you know someone or any, um, who are looking to get into corporate sponsorship or, you know, uh, want to throw some dough around bang i think ocean mine is a great cause and no doubt if you've just listened to that I'm, I'm sure that you 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 do too so um anyway whoever you are out there in the wide world i hope this finds you smiling and um until next time thank you so much for tuning in be well and uh see ya no you won't see me you might but uh Hopefully have another one for you soon. Adios. Adios.